It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring special guest star Mr. Dean Crepain. And thank you very much, fake audience. Thank you, fake band. Hello, real audience. <laughs> I'm waving. Oh, yeah, they can see me. That's right. <laughs> And there they are. And hello, Dean. Welcome to the big show. Hello. Thanks. Um, I am. I've never done a show with earbuds in, and it's a feels a little. Um, I feel weird. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm really excited about this show. Uh, I've been friends with Dean for I don't know, like 15 years already, or something, and. Uh, not only is he the nicest guy in the world, he's admirable on many levels as a musician, as a business person, as an instrumental composer, as a songwriter, um, entrepreneur, yeah, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read you a little bit of his bio because some of the people watching the show will be watching it months, if not years from now. So let me fill them in on who you are and what you do. Dean Crepain is a veteran songwriter, musician, author, artist, film and TV music producer and film and TV music producer. I'm leaving words out just to keep it interesting. His music has been heard on hundreds of TV shows, uh, film and new media around the world, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Scorpion, Duck Dynasty, Parenthood, The Today Show, Biography A&E, The Vampire Diaries, Lucky Dog, One Life to Live, T-Mobile and Amazon Connect, just to name a few. He's also earned gold and platinum records as a songwriter and has decades of experience in the music industry, um, founding both Seattle's TriWest Recording Studios and All Screen Music, as well as co-founding the advertising company Spectrum and partnering in the tech company Next Channel. He's the author of the Amazon best-selling books, which I'm going to try and hold up and read at the same time. There you go. Yeah, it's weird because I've got a split screen today, so I don't have a lot of real estate to do this in. Anyway, uh, Demystifying the Cue, which I'm holding in my hand. It's the one with the gray cover. Demystifying the Genre and Write, Submit, Forget, and Repeat, which is about 12 feet away from me right now. So if I go get it, I'm going to pull out my earbuds. So I'm not going to go get it. Um, but... I've got to tell you, if you want to do instrumentals uh, or songs for film and TV, you really need to own those two books in particular. Um, they've changed a lot of lives, and I cannot recommend them highly enough, and I don't make a friggin' penny if you buy them. So go buy them or else. Got it? <laughs> Just being serious. <laughs> anyway, um, no, they really are that good. I've actually read each of those books probably three times um, and I've had literally dozens of people uh, send me emails thanking me for recommending them. So um, without any further ado, let's uh, welcome Dean to the show. Uh, I'm nervous because we're doing a live, uh, I don't know what you call it, remote using a split screen today and the aforementioned earbuds. So the program today is, here's what we're going to do is... Um, Okay, Dean and I are going to do a little Q&A to begin. And then uh, the second part of the show, we're going to play some of the cues that are actually featured in the aforementioned book. And we're going to talk about those cues. 
And then for the last third of the show, we're going to listen to your cues, and Dean is going to tell you what's wonderful about them and what you could do to maybe make them a little better. So let's start out. I'm going to hit the, the bullet points that went out in the email the other day. Um, and, and I asked the people that got the email if they know the difference between an instrumental and an instrumental cue. I know, but I'm keeping it a secret. So I'm going to ask Dean if he can explain to you guys what the differences are. An instrumental and an instrumental cue. Um, I should have asked you if you knew the answers to this. I don't know. <laughs> no, We're off to a great the, uh, start. An instrumental, uh, um, you know, any song, you could write a song and it could be an instrumental. A cue really oftentimes has less, I think, active melody um, because um, it does have a melody, but but um, sometimes it's just underscore. But as, as I've talked about in a lot of my workshops, too much melody, which you might have in a regular instrumental song, uh, too much melody can often conflict with actor's dialogue. And that's the thing we want to avoid doing uh, um, music for, because most of our music's gonna get used behind dialogue. Some of it, once in a while we get lucky and we get a foreground song and make a bunch of money and that's that's wonderful, but most of it's gonna be used behind dialogue or to set up the next scene. And so, um, yeah, a, a regular instrumental um, can work, it can work, but but often you wanna use a little bit less melody, I would say. What's so where am I wrong? What's your definition? Well, no, you're right about everything you said. By the way, uh, Cass says that you're a little bit hot on your level, so you may want to bring it down okay. a, a pinch more, please. Um, right. My take is that a cue is written in, a, in one of several forms, although there aren't exact forms that you have to absolutely follow. But cues serve a different purpose, and, and much of the time, not all the time, but oftentimes they're used in reality shows and they're used just in little short sections. Uh, it's mm -hmm. extremely rare that a cue would be heard in its entire entirety. It's like almost never, but not entirely yeah. never. Yeah. Uh, whereas an instrumental that is not constructed so much like a cue, a cue would be primarily an A section with maybe a B section thrown in the middle for a little variation, mm -hmm. a little interest. An instrumental is like Dean said, a song that has the vocal popped out and, and they're used for different things. Like an instrumental might be used in the background of you and I go out to dinner and we're talking about how much we love our wives and what we forgot to buy them for Valentine's Day and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there could be a, a, a piano in the background. Um, or, you know, a small um, complement of string players, uh, something, mm -hmm. but it's going to run for two or three minutes, and it's just basically wallpaper in the background, whereas a cue can be wallpaper, but might actually be used to make a transition or to punctuate yeah. something. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. there, I don't know that anybody's ever written down a hard definition for them, but as you do this for a living, you get to feel the nuance and understand it better. Yeah, there's really, really what the uh, cue is, just like you said, that it has an A section and a B section, usually, sometimes not. Whereas I, I did a lot of instrumental songs for um, uh, Muzak, environment, smooth jazz type of stuff, which I got, again, a deal I got from Taxi. But, but um, those, were, those were full songs. And they were just happened to be instrumental songs and, you know, with a verse doing whatever I want to do on guitar, keyboard, 
um, a chorus and a solo section. And I mean, it was, it was regular, really like a song. Um, but those don't, um, a, a Q, yeah, Q's got that A section that, 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 that starts out and builds and builds. And, and then, you know, it just keeps building the emotion. And then it might go to a B section where the emotion gets even bigger. And I think that's the, the key to them is we're writing, instead of writing songs, we're writing moods. We're trying to enhance the mood of uh, whatever the directors are trying to, to accomplish in their, their visual. I think that's a great analogy or a great explanation. Um, Bev Niven asked, how long should a cue be? So why don't you give her the range on that? I have two answers. Uh, my first answer is it should be whatever the publisher wants. <laughs> I have publishers that ask for different time lengths, but in general, uh, two minutes, two minutes, give or take. You know, it can be one minute and 55 seconds if that's where it musically is cool, or it can be two minutes and 10 seconds. But sometimes publishers will ask for it to be a full three minutes. Uh, I've worked with publishers that say, just give me 90 seconds. Um, because as, as you said, uh, Michael, if, if I look at my cue sheets um, that come through ASCAP, I'm with ASCAP, um, so many of the cues are 17 seconds, 23 seconds, uh, 53 seconds is a good, is a great one, you know, but, but uh, so, you know, and some, sometimes once in a while you get stuff that's a minute 10. Um, I have had stuff that has played for two minutes, but the publisher that I work with that says just 90 seconds, I said, well, what if they want two minutes? He says, oh, they'll just cut it and loop it. If they, you know, they can make it longer. So, so two minutes, but if, but yeah, if I was, if I uh, was talking to uh, anybody who hasn't done it before, I would say shoot for two minutes and then whatever the publisher wants. Yeah. We occasionally will get somebody that'll say, uh, yeah, send us cues that are like, you know, 30 seconds. And yeah. we, we actually say to them, are you sure? And they go, yeah. So you know what? It's better to have too much than too yeah. little. Somehow it's easier to edit length out than, you know, when you loop it, it just sounds loopy um, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a related subject, uh, a developmental arc in the, in the land of cues. Um, can you explain what a developmental arc is to the uninitiated or uninformed? The, I think what, what you're talking about, at least the way I'm reading it is, um, you, whatever mood you're going for, if you're, if you're going for a, a, a anxious tra uh, tension track, uh, anxiety, anxious, um, scared, fear, whatever, wherever you want to start off, relatively sparse as sparse as you can be almost still capturing the mood and then maybe every four or eight measures depending on the speed you add another element uh to give it a little bit of lift to give it a little bit of to build the mood you're building the mood uh because if, if you turn off the sound and watch uh, any tv show you, whatever the mood is whether it's a comedy uh show or a drama show or anything in between the moods they want to build the mood they're going to lose us if they keep don't build the mood so yeah my arc is um probably every four to eight measures i just keep building and then when i get to the b section that automatically gives it another uh, build because i'll often go to 
if I'm in, uh, I'll often go to the four chord. If I'm in a, in a dominant, like a C major, I'll go to the F chord uh, at the uh, B section. Could be a G chord or the, the five, but that will give it another natural lift. But yeah, my arc is build, 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 and then let the editor cut it wherever they want to cut it. Uh, it was very instructive. I don't know if you were in the ballroom for the beginning of the road rally this year. Um, when I had uh, Laurel Ostrander, who, who's a very talented editor who mostly does reality TV stuff. And she basic, not basically, she uh, walked us through um, how she was picking the music, how she was, what she was thinking, what she was going for, what she needed. And then she'd play something that she thought would work against the scene and go, you know, it really doesn't work. Um, oh no, I lost an ear. Uh, it really doesn't work because it, it doesn't have enough of a lift or enough of a, an emotional thing going on. So I'm going to try something else. Then she would find something else that she liked and put that in there and then maybe edit it and then, um, you know, uh, tighten it up so that, that the staying on the end of the piece landed right on the end of the scene and transition to the next scene. And I think mm -hmm. everybody in the ballroom, I think there were like a thousand of us in the ballroom, everybody in there was like, oh, I see. They actually use the music for a purpose. It's not just, you know, yeah. isn't that a cool piece of music? So I, yeah. I, I love that woman. I thought she was a, a great teacher and it was really instructive. Yeah, um, that's really, I, I think the other thing I'd say is wherever you start, when somebody's doing starting out their cue, the, the mood, the, whatever mood it is, has to be obvious from the first measure. You know, I've, I've cut some cues here before in my studio and after I'm halfway through I'll go back and listen and I'll always go okay is it obvious in that first those first four to eight beats first two measures do I know where this is taking me so so right from the get-go you know what the mood it is and then build that throughout uh, throughout the uh, piece um, but yeah to me it has to be and sometimes I've just stopped and thrown the whole thing away because I can't figure out how to get that mood right from the get go or I get caught between moods. You know, is this you know, this is, is this a comedy piece or a tension piece? That's Sounds to me like you've got, you've got hormonal issues going on. <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> that too. That, that, you know, um, they ain't what they used to be. <laughs> oh wait, this is a family show. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I uh, digress. Uh, do you know how to make, uh, I, actually, this is a loaded question because I know you know that, how to make inexpensive and sometimes even outdated sample libraries sound like a million bucks? And I've got to let everybody know that Dean is the world's greatest expert at this because you know, we have some members that have, you know, like $5,000 libraries in, in, then you listen to Dean's stuff, which he jokes all the time, you know, the, the sample library is 10 years old or something, and it still sounds amazing. Why are you able to take fairly simple, fairly inexpensive, and somewhat outdated libraries and still make your stuff sound like a million bucks? You know, I <laughs> I think there's, there's probably a, a couple reasons. Um, I think one of the basic reasons is that, that sample libraries for the last decade have been pretty good you know they just uh, i remember a road rally coming to a road rally in 2006 and sitting in in one of uh, uh sitting in one of the main ballroom uh, um 
listening to them play various members. And it, that, in 2006, there was still a lot of MIDI sounding. I'm, that, that's a general term for, you know, kind of tinky sounding uh, um, stuff. And, and uh, man, 2007, 2008 at the Road Rally, everybody's stuff, there, there was almost no old school MIDI stuff sounding anymore. So which told me that, okay, all the, the sample libraries are getting way better. So even when if I use a 10-year-old uh, library um, or a 12-year-old library like I'm using today, um, it, it still sounds pretty good. And, and I think another thing that, that our friend Matt Hurt ta taught me was it's not just buying something off the shelf, buying east-west strings or buying, uh, you know, Omnisphere. I know there's a bunch of them that are just great. And I've got a couple of them. But you've got to learn how to make those instruments sound like the real thing. I mean, you you and I have both heard it. Uh, somebody with a $3,000 string library that really hasn't learned how to articulate a string yet. And although the sounds are great, you just it, the thing just kind of clunks along. It doesn't, doesn't really work. So you need to learn how to articulate the instrument. You need to learn how to, I'm using today, I'm, I'm doing a solo piano piece for a library. Actually, I'm doing a CD for this library. It's, but it's a solo piano and I'm using, it's probably a 15 year old uh, piece of software, Sample Tank 2. I'm using the piano, their Kawai piano in there. Um, why am I using that? Because I know it up and down. I can tweak it to make it sound great. Um, so learning so learning your instrument, learning your software is one thing. I think the other thing is just trying to play good parts, trying to be a musician. You know, if you're a piano player, try to play good piano parts. If you're a guitar player, you know, sometimes being both a guitar player and a piano player, it's real obvious to me when a piano player hasn't worked hard enough on making his guitar sounds sound like a real guitar or when a guitar player hasn't made his keyboard sounds sound enough like a real keyboard player uh, so i think that's the, another element is just spending that time and um listening listen i mean there's a million keyboard players and guitar players and orchestras out there listen to what they're doing try to figure out how that violin is is uh, being played and and uh, and try to emulate it I know you talk about that um, so frequently in the books that so much of this is about listening, um, sitting down, analyzing why things sound the way they do, why arrangements work the way they do, why certain production techniques. And I mean, when I started out in the industry, that's what I used to do. Once I, I was actually working in a studio labeling tape boxes and stuff, I realized that I had to be utterly consumed with my craft and I would go home after a long day in the studio and, and spend hours on the floor with a pair of JBL 4311s, can't see my hands, but you know, towed in, pointed in at my head like a giant set of earphones um, with a notepad writing down why Bob Welch's guitar solo sounded so good and what they might have done to get that and then researching it because we had no Google back then, but I would look for interviews and in recording engineer producer magazine and find out how they did it. And after a while, it just becomes part of you. You don't have to think at yeah. it that hard. You don't have to work at it that hard. It's like riding a bike. Yeah, yeah, but it is key what you say. To you've got to listen. I've I've got an upcoming pop project that I've I've got to uh, produce and write, co-write on. And I've been away from pop music, straight ahead pop music. I've been away from that for 
almost three years. So in December, I started, I told myself, I'm going to start listening to pop music two hours every day. So faithfully for 60, 70 days now, I've listened to two hours of, man, I know Post Malone, Halsey, I know, know them up and down inside and out. But the only way that, and pop music's really changed in the last couple of years. And, and uh, the only way I was going to have a shot at being authentic in what I was doing was to, you know, just surround myself with it for for and, and get it inside of me and and i'm starting to i'm starting to to become hip to uh to what those guys do and man it, it's it's different but that's exciting to me it's different than pop was three or four or five years ago but cool we get to learn something new and 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 try to figure out how to make that drum sound sound like that or make that what they're not even using a real bass what is that they're using you know and and trying to figure out that stuff so yeah surround yourself listen it always upsets me. I, I, I literally get angry uh, when I hear musicians say, ah, the music sucks today. I hate what's on radio. I don't listen to that crap. But yet they want to be successful in the music industry. It's you know, <laughs> like saying, uh, I, I want to drive an Indy 500 car and win the race. But, you know, you're driving a car that was built 30 years ago. You're not going to win the race because technology yeah. has changed. It's well, same thing yeah. as all forms of art whether you like them or not, change. And, and if you want to be a contestant in that world, you need to move with the changes. And yeah. people just refuse. I understand it. You know, we get used to what we know. We get comfortable with it. Getting out of your uh, what are they, your comfort zone is challenging, but challenge yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, you know, I even do that on styles I'm, I'm really familiar with jazz, and, and just last month I produced a, a jazz uh, dinner jazz CD cues for uh, for a library. Somebody we both know, but um, I was kind of getting stuck in the in the middle of it. And, and there's some jazz players, some taxi members that are way better than me. So I was getting stuck. I was just oh man, I'm just repeating myself. So I went and listened. I went uh, actually. Steve Rice and John Mazzei are both great jazz uh, um, players. So I just went and listened to some of their stuff. And what did, what did they do there? Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. So uh, thanks, Steve and John Mazzei, for letting me steal your work. Um, <laughs> Please, people, don't take them seriously. Yeah, I uh, know. <laughs> understand. You know what? Um, Back when I used to work in the studio, when I started my career at Criteria Studios in Miami, there were four studios under the roof, and we all learned from each other every day. And I've said this yeah. on the show before, I, I worry now, so many people are isolated in their home studios that there isn't this exchange of ideas and constant uh, encouragement and stuff. We see it on the, on the taxi forum a lot, but if you don't go to the forum, you are kind of isolated. Uh, so. I I don't call that stealing. I call it yeah. part of it because you give and you take. I'm yeah. sure that they've learned from you and inspiration yeah. from everybody. Yep. 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 Um, this is again a loaded question uh, because there is no right answer, but there's a range of answers. Uh, people often say to me, "Well, how long should it take me to do a cue?" Uh, and my answer is, it depends. So, can you give the the viewers kind of a, a range of like how long it would take you to do a, a solo piano, you know, dinner jazz kind of cue, uh, and how long means from composition to recording 
to well you wouldn't be doing stems on that one but uh yeah you yeah. know uh tagging it uh, <clears throat> exporting it tagging it all that stuff how long would that take you versus um let's say a string quartet um and then also uh, maybe a, a rock piece um and then a fuller orchestral piece kind of a range in how long each of those might take you okay uh, you know first of all let me just say that any genre that's new to me that I that I really haven't produced or written a lot takes longer because I'm I'm trying to learn that genre. Even when something that was rock was generally familiar to me, but uh, last year I did a CD for a company of uh, indie rock, and, um, and of course there are many styles of indie rock, but I really wasn't hip to what indie rock. So I'm asking my taxi friends, what do you, how, what's the bass player doing there? What's a, it, so until I'd done three or four of those cues, it took me longer, and then I started getting the pattern. I started getting that down. That's true for me with any style of music. Um, some of the cues that I find really easy now, uh, like a dramedy or uh, um, a tension track, might have taken me 12 hours from start to finish when I was first learning how to do that and learning where my sounds were, but I could probably do a tension track in, in four hours now, unless I'm just spending time looking for that perfect sound that I that is one of the 80,000 songs or so, uh, sounds on Omnisphere. And sometimes that'll take extra two hours just sorting through all those those uh, sounds. But um, uh, some of the some of the genres that I've done a lot of stuff, um, you know, way back in the Duck Dynasty days, I started doing Southern rock, and I got to uh, um, where I did so many of those. I probably did a hundred cues, Southern rock cues for different shows. Um, I got to where I could do one of those in four hours. But when I started, I had to listen to all those old Southern rock because I'd never really played it before. Being an old guy, I was familiar with kind of the seventies. Um, uh, southern rock genre, but I really had to go and listen to all those uh, Skinner and, and and ZZ Top, Molly Hatchet, all those various bands at 38 Special. And okay, what are they doing? Oh, they got crunchy guitars. They got a B3 organ. They got a real drum kit. They, you know, and on and on. Um, learn what those are, and find those. Part of what takes a, takes a while at the beginning is finding that rice bass sound finding that right it's not the composition for me so much as finding this right sounds finding the right drum kit um, but once I found those in a genre okay I'm going to use these three drum kits probably for all this southern rock stuff and these three different bass sounds and then so yeah I can get do those in maybe four hours um, do you so do you once you find those sounds that are um, your palette for that particular genre, yeah. do you tend to set up uh, templates uh, and go, okay, so I just did one that was successful and I used these drums and this bass and that guitar sound. Now I can do another one that's a different mood, but basically the same sound, different chord changes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do uh, templates. And now if I've done enough of them, like with the... Um, southern rock things that i did back in the day um yeah i don't even need templates and templates anymore i just know the exact places that i'm going to go with my sop because it's all yeah you've memorized it but yeah i do set up templates um and yeah it's really helpful it really cuts down the time you're not you, you once you've searched and found those three bass parts or three keyboard parts or three guitar things um 
yeah, don't search for them again. Write them down or in whatever way you want to design a template. And that say it really saves hours off of, of each queue uh, of knowing exactly where you're going to go. Now, having said that, if I'm, I do a lot of CDs. In fact, mostly what I'm doing now for publishers are entire CDs of genres. And I do uh, have publishers that don't want you know, oh, he used the same exact same instruments on six of those cues. Right. Uh, so I try to I try to mix it up and make it sound like it's they're they're all in the same ballpark, but it's it's not just me repeating myself over and over again. So I'm, I yeah I pull different different samples there. I'm a little amazed sometimes. I'll go check out a library uh, to reference a certain genre, or maybe we've just started working with the library and we want to get familiar with their catalog and kind of where their quality bar is, that sort of stuff. And sometimes I will bump into a library that, in a certain genre, like rock, let's say, they've got three composers that do rock, and they each do a ton of rock because they're all really good. And I'm sure the library is like, I might as well go back to the well and keep using these same guys. But I, th I think that at some point they oversaturate those guys, uh, yeah. especially when you see 90% of the rock is done by three guys and there might be like a hundred cues in there. You would think yeah. they you know, would vary a little bit, but I think they go for what's tried, tested and true and easy. And, and, and people that they can, uh, you, you've made this point a, a bunch of times, but I think it's really important. People that they can work with and they can trust and that they know aren't you know, they're just they're not the, the stereotypical flaky musician they know it's <laughs> the stuff's going to be there it's going to be there on time uh, man that, that's to me that's just so important um and i think that i think there's a, a bunch of people out there that are way better than me but i make sure i'm all one thing i know i can do as good as anybody's be on time do what i say i'm gonna do do you know if i can make up for my lack of musicality by <laughs> being a responsible person you know, so so I think that's really important, and I think that the 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 um, publishers, the library owners, talk amongst amongst themselves. They know who's who's being uh, um, responsible and who's not. So I, I, that's that's really important. I completely agree. Uh, part of your job is to make their life easy. Yeah, and, and if you yeah. can do that for them. It's like going out on a date that goes well. You go out for a second date, you know, because it's comfortable yep. and it feels good. Yeah. Um, I'm scanning because we're very limited on time for this segment for the A block, trying to sound all <laughs> like a TV producer here. Uh, people always ask me, what genres of instrumental cues get used most often? Have you uh, anecdotally or statistically from, that. from what I've heard, the genres that you use the most are two of the genres that I don't do any of. <laughs> and that's that would be hip hop and EDM. I, I At least I know those get used a lot. I don't know if that's the most, but I don't do, uh, um, I've done a, some, a little bit of hip hop, um, but but yeah, that's that's what I've been hearing. You know, right. I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, yeah. Which genres have done best for you? Um, uh, certainly, uh, man, there's, there's a lot that have done well for me here in the last few years. Thank you, Taxi. Um, uh, Dinner Jazz is working now. Um, uh, Dramedy, Dramedy has certainly, certainly done well. The Southern, 
uh, rock stuff that I did back in the because of the Duck Show, <laughs> the Duck Dynasty uh, was so big for a cable show, uh, and I think there were a few a few taxi maybe there were three or four taxi members that were doing in the beginning in the first three seasons we were probably doing you know sixty percent of the music on that show, um, and and I, so I just got a lot of offers for that so I've done a ton of that but now. Um, Man, it's just, it's just wide. I've, I've had success with the indie rock, with um, uh, uh, solo piano, classical uh, piano. Um, just did a flamenco guitar project that I'm, I never, I didn't even know it was flan, flamenco. I thought it was flamingo, like pink flamingo. That's, that's a, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's broadening. It's, it's, it's getting wide, wider. Um, so yeah, what have I had most success in? It's, it's, it's hard to tell now. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, you get to a point, you know, at the, at the beginning, you're looking at every cue sheet and you're trying to listen to the, your music on the shows. But then as you grow um, and get more publishers and more placements and the placements start happening, not just every month, but every week, but every day, um, it's just, I, I spend less time thinking about that and more just creating and, and, and just trying to create more music and keep up with the opportunities that I have. So um, that's a, yeah, a what, common statement. I hear that a lot from our more um, developed members, people who are a little further down the road than people who are just starting out. That yeah, in the beginning they were were counting and tracking the numbers and how many yeah. cues do I need out in the wild and uh, how long does it take before a, a cue after it's signed makes you money worrying about all the statistical stuff when they just should have been cranking up more music. Yeah. Yeah. Even sometimes with, I just, uh, I had a, a recently had a cut on, um, big show dancing with the stars. And, uh, my wife said, well, what did it sound like? I said, I don't know. I haven't listened to it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's not that I don't want to, it's just, um, I'm I'm in the business of creating music, and so I'm creating music all the time, and and I do have a lot of deadlines with publishers, and I'm trying to keep up, you know. So so yeah, I, I'm, there may be a time when usually the the bigger shows or, or a movie or something, I'll go eventually and try to listen to what it was, and and but yeah, how you can't keep up. Uh, several of our more successful members and i define success as they're making somewhere between like a couple thousand dollars a year and a couple hundred thousand dollars a year obviously as the number gets bigger there are fewer people making that kind of money but um people you know members who are getting deals and getting placements and on a regular basis um seem to tell me anecdotally that they find that the simpler stuff they do or sometimes it's even simpler mixes they may have created a rock thing that, you know, sounds like a record. It's a full-on production, but maybe it's stems or an alt mix that's just bass drums and a chicken-picking guitar part that gets used a lot. Have you found that simpler stuff tends to get placed more often? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I often think of, we do our full cues with the, with, I, whatever melody I do put on it, whether it's guitar, keyboard, saxophone, what whatever it is, um, to me that in, in part, I just think of it, well, that's what's gonna sell the cue. And then usually they're gonna use it, they're gonna pull that, that melody, they're gonna use the underscore. You know, not, I'd say 
seven times out of 10, they're going to use the underscore, this, a simpler mix of it. But but a lot of times I think you do have to have that full mix to, to sell it so that it jumps off the track and, and they go, yeah, this is the right mood. And they go, oh no, that melody doesn't work with the dialogue. Let's rip that off and use the underscore. So yeah, the simpler stuff. And I tend to, I tend to produce um, simply anyway. I mean, I, I'm much more of a keyboard player than a guitar player. So I often when I play a keyboard track, I'll go back and I'm just weeding stuff out because I've got way too many notes. Um, luckily, I'm not a gifted guitar player, so I can't play too many notes. And so I, and I think that really benefits me in a lot of ways. I don't, my guitar parts are, are relatively simple and they tend to work uh, for, but, but yeah, totally simple. Simple is better. Uh, you know, it's a big mental adjustment for musicians when they get into doing cues for film and TV that um, a lot of people think that you get chosen or get a placement in a scene because you're an amazing musician and an amazing guitar player, an amazing composer. Uh, it's all about, I'm really, really good. And I would contend that you, that the definition of good in that context is how well does your music work in scenes? Uh, it, it's not about being Jimi Hendrix. It's not about being Yo-Yo yeah. uh, Ma. It's not about being, uh, you know, Hans Zimmer. Um, certainly, maybe in the context of big feature films, but not in the context of a reality show. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, sometimes it's just making stuff that's more usable. Yeah, well, and, that's, and I think that's, all of us musicians that, that that spent years and years trying to, you know, all the musicians coming up are trying to be Eddie Van Halen or the keyboard players are trying to be Bill Evans or Oscar Peterson or whoever. You spend all this, these years trying to be as fast as you can. And then you get into the professional scene and, and everybody tells you, even, even as a musician, no, now play tastefully. <laughs> Don't play every note. Yeah, play. And I think the same thing with doing cues. We, you know, it's such a, tendency to let me buy every piece of software that i can i've got all these great sounds and and all these uh virtual instruments and man i want to use them all because they all sound great no now bring taste into it Get, weed a little bit of that out there make it a little more simple you make make sure the mood is first in in cue writing so. i say it all the time in this show but just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> <laughs> that applies to so many things that's, in life. Sounds like my wife saying that. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, something that parents say to kids, too, because, yeah. you know, once you hand them the keys for their first solo outing with the car, yeah. you know, just because you can doesn't mean that car can do 120 miles an hour doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to actually listening to some examples of cues that you've done. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that you and Bria have worked out which those are or which of those they are. And do you want to set, tell us what the first one is? Do a little setup. Uh, uh, does Bria have them in uh, a particular order or do you is have them in anyone? a particular order, Bria? I have them just in the order that they're in the. So I have Surf up, Surf's Up, Puppy Chase, Haystack Fever, and Slightly Askew. Surf's Up, Puppy Chase, Haystack Fever, and what was the last one? Slightly Askew. Slightly Askew. Let's flip those upside down and start with slightly askew, which is a, and all of these, to your point, all of these are really simple. All of these are simple. Uh, anybody can do them. The, the slightly askew one is a dramedy piece that's been used in a, a bunch of, 
I think I've had 40 placements on this queue, a bunch of shows. Um, but it's very simple. Anybody can do it. It's just piano, pizzicato strings. Uh, I can't remember what else is in it. I'll have to hear it again. But um, uh, are there yeah. any, I was going to ask you if there are any key points that people should be listening for. But you know what? Um, let's just, uh, you can talk after. And, and okay. do I need to play the entire cue? Or? No, no. And if any of these, just the first you know, 30 or 40 seconds is, is fine. Does that give us enough time to hear a B section if it's in there and that sort of stuff? Pro probably, uh, yeah. If you want to hear the B section, probably 50 seconds or so. All 50. right. Sounds cool. So start with slightly askew. Wasn't he Richard Nixon's vice president? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's golf game. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's as simple as simple as it gets. I mean, everybody, everybody uh, uh, listening now is just going, "What? What? I can do that? What do you mean that? That works? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that does work. And, and do that a lot, and do it well, and you too can make a six-figure income. It won't happen yeah, right. overnight, but it can happen. I saw somebody yeah. in the chat room mention that uh, Oy vey, where's my dreidel? I'll be right back. I happen to have a visual aid. <laughs> There's your dreidel, Paul. It's right there. <laughs> I'm the only TV host that keeps a dreidel handy for such an occasion. All right. Uh, what's up next? Um, let's what's... do uh, Haystack Fever. That was a uh, Southern Rock thing. One of the first ones I did for oh, the okay. duck, sh duck Show, and it's been used in maybe five shows. Um, so, yeah. Southern Rock. Here we go. Haystack Fever.
By the way, that ending you just heard, boom, that in the vernacular is called a sting, a sting out, a stinger. It could be called a button ending. It could be called a buttoned ending. It could be called a non-faded ending. All of those things technically apply to what you heard. And the cool part is you could just take that down and just cut that right on the downbeat, you know, the, the place where the pick first hits the string and, and make that a cue because that could be used for something like the Duck Dynasty guys walked in the house and somebody slammed a door, boom, door slammed, boom, to punctuate the moment, right? Yeah, and it's so important to have those uh, stingers, stings at the end. Um, uh, even with this one, a lot of times it, it was used in a variety of ways where they'll, they'll play like that first two measures and then they'll just cut that in. So they'll go, dan 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 boom, and then on to the next scene. Yeah. So it, it, it um, yeah, you got to have the stingers on those. Yeah, a, a fade really doesn't have a lot of use in, in the world that we collectively uh, live in. Uh, and frankly, it doesn't have much use in the radio world anymore. It used to yeah. back yeah. in the days of long intros for DJs to uh, set up something or talk about an act coming to town for a concert. And then fades would give them time to talk about the concert, upcoming concert again. but that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there yep. you go. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you want to hear next? Uh, there's one called Puppy Chase. Uh, I love this <clears throat> And And this is a, uh, um, it's a tension track, but when the, when the publisher, uh, I was talking to the publisher, the, the, this was specifically for, done originally for a, a kids TV show and uh, actually an ant that had animals in it called Lucky Dog. And um, they wanted uh, uh, tension, they needed tension in there because they're rescuing a lot of dogs and they're taking that, you know, res rescuing them and then they're taking them to the vet and the dog may have been wherever, out and out in the, the, the streets. <laughs> the dog was in the streets for a while. And, and so it's, it's a tense time because they want to make sure they can uh, take care of these uh, puppies. But so I asked the publisher, well, how do you make a tension track that's in a happy for a kids show that does it so they don't cry he said she <laughs> said make, he said well use all the rhythm you're doing and put marimba in it just said marimba makes you smile and then don't use minor notes just try to stay away from that third of every chord uh so so yeah this is an example of a tension track with uh, marimba in it so that's kid friendly because we don't want kids crying when they're watching their show or their moms will turn off the tv their okay. dads might turn off the TV too. Let me, okay, I want to be politically correct. So yeah, I'm, I'm babbling. <laughs> no, it's great information. Puppy, puppy chase.
so slightly changing the melody here to keep it interesting and moving forward. In case they want to use more of it. Right. With a stinger. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like Xanax for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about tension uh, for a minute because it's a very popular genre with our members, a very popular genre gets requested a lot from the companies that use us as a resource. And it's, there are several kinds of tension. Let's talk about the, the various kinds of tension. I, I, I have a really crappy memory, so I won't remember them all. And I'm hoping uh, that you remember more than I do, but it, it could be, you know, minor orchestral stuff like something terrible is yeah. going to happen uh, what are yeah. some of the other options yeah i think um <clears throat> well there's so many music genres that could make tension um you know you could have uh, metal oriented tension uh, um, hip-hop urban uh oriented tension certainly the kids tension like this you can have drone uh, there's uh there was a movie um about uh, a movie on um, a few years ago, I think it was called The Social Network. Mm. Um, and what's his name from uh, Nine Inch Nails did the soundtrack? Um, uh, Reznor? Re I'm yeah, based Reznor. on his name. Uh, and, and some of the uh, tension that he has in there is just this, this drone that's almost doing nothing, but somehow he makes it have tension. It, it's it's uh, There's not rhythm going in some of the earlier scenes of there. Um, yeah, and on and on. I mean, almost anything you could probably think of. I don't. I don't know what all the genres are. I just um, four weeks ago finished doing some tension cues for a library, and and um, um, and they. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't know how detailed I should be here on on that, but but it was a particular type of tension that they wanted, and uh, um, so I've researched it and found out what other people did in that genre of tension and, and figured out how to do it. But yeah, all different, all different kinds in, in, of tension. And um, I, I always tell people when, if, if they're wondering, well, what, what should I do for tension? What should I do for this time of music? You can actually go online to some of the big libraries and search, go in their search engines and listen to, uh, um, you know where the top bar is on on certain genres, and um, I, I often do that to go. Okay, where is the bar? How how what? Where does this have to be? And um, and I'm often turned on to a lot of different kinds of, of styles just going and, and searching some of the libraries um, that have the search function online. So I tell people just go do that. And listen, listen. Oh. Also, watch shows. Um, I mean, primarily yeah. reality shows because, like, I'd say the average reality show has 75 to 100 cues used in it. Uh, they may be used for three seconds up to a minute and a half and anywhere in between, but they use a lot of cues. So um, you, you get the benefit of understanding how they're used, not just what gets used. Yeah. Yeah, those cue sheets will come through for those reality shows. And I mean, they may have 60 cues in one show, you know, that they've used anywhere from three seconds to, to 35 seconds or, for, for their mood. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of usage in reality shows, cues. Um, 
Oh, by the way, you mentioned um, Trent Reznor before. We should also mention Atticus Ross uh, is his cohort in, in that stuff. And wow, yeah, those two guys are a study. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they deserve an entire weekend. I, I'm not kidding when I say you could do two 12-hour days back-to-back -back of just researching them and listening to their stuff because they've created a, a genre on their own that's emulated mm -hmm. by so many people. It, it's very... Um, Cinematic tension, I guess, mm -hmm. is, is a mm -hmm. good way to describe it. Um, what do you have? Uh, what's the, the next one you want to listen to? Okay, yeah, the last one. Uh, I, I brought this um, cues that are uh, time capsule cues. Um, this, is, this is actually a surf rock cue. Um, but time capsule cues, I don't find or use that much. But, but when they need that, they need it and nothing else will do. If you have a scene that's a 1961 surf scene, they need surf music. If it's if they if they, if it's a doo-wop thing or a Motown thing or a disco thing, when if they're having a flashback in a, a TV show or a film or a, a, even a advertising, um, when they need that, nothing else will do. And um, uh, so this is I've done surf rock for. I hadn't done any of it before. One library approached me. Uh, about doing some of it and uh, like everything else I just went back and studied uh, Dick Dale and the Ventures and those those groups from back back then and tried to figure out what were their guitars doing now I can't play at all like a Dick Dale I think that's the right name mm -hmm. Dick Dale um, I can't play at all like that but what can I do um, and what was his guitar that springy reverb kind of sound they used and and you listen to some of that the old drums there and and um, and, and now we would say, oh, that sounds horrible because it's, you know, mo probably mono recording and, and one mic <laughs> picking up the whole kit or something. But, um, okay, so how do I capture that vibe? Um, but I, I have to produce in stereo. I have to do that. So anyway, um, just just for the members' sake, there are a lot of opportunities. I mean, if you, if you think you have a knack for doing a doo-wop, tune yeah there's not gonna it's not, they're not gonna be placed at all like a hip-hop or a edm thing but when they need a doo-wop song or a surf rock tune they need it and that's what they have to have so anyway that's the long explanation for why i brought this and you only need to play about it you get you get the cue in about 30 seconds you know what it is all right let's have a listen does the same thing over again. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it really was a study because I, it, you know, they, 
so many of those groups back then played they played such a square uh, guitar such a kind of a tinky square even the great players were playing way different back then so to try to capture all those moods in some way that was uh close to being authentic you know um was in there again it's just as we talked earlier listening 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 what's everybody what you know analyze every part and then try to do it and you made the point earlier i want to elaborate a little bit which is if you're doing something that dates back to a certain era um it would be a fool's errand to like try and make that guitar sound sound amazing you want to make it amazingly similar to the era but yeah. not amazing yeah. by today's fidelity standards. So, yeah. um, man, oh man, uh, do you remember which guitar you used for that? Uh, I think I was just using that, my Strat, uh, Fender Strat uh, for that. And uh, I don't, actually, I don't think I pulled one of my amp, amps in. I think I was just using, uh, I probably put it through a pod, or one of those uh, those kidney pods and, and tried to find the right reverbs for it. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it, it sounded it sounded authentic and nobody sitting at home watching a TV show when that cue comes on uh, would. That's what many musicians who aren't making money doing this do not yet understand, which is, oh, he should have used uh, what's the Fender guitar that the. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember the model, but you know, it's famous for surf stuff. Oh, the, um, is it the Telecaster or something? I don't know. No, I, uh, yeah. somebody will get it. Uh, I guarantee you, Mojo Bone will blurt it out in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Mojo, what was the uh, the the Fender guitar that is so Jaguar was one, but they're oh, yeah, they're the Mustang. Was it the Mustang? No, no. Mojo must be making another drink because he's not responding. <laughs> Jazz Masters. Jazz Master. Jazz Masters. The Jaguars, they, they had that sound. So I, I know people that would say, oh, it doesn't sound as good as a Jazz Master. No editor who's working on a yeah. reality yeah. show would ever say, I'm not going to use this cue because it doesn't sound 100%. It only sounds like 90% as good as a Jazz Master because they just don't give a damn. They're yeah. looking for yeah. the overall contextual vibe. Does it make you go to the beach when you're watching this scene does it yeah. is it you know reflective of that time period yes it is we have a winner <laughs> yeah yeah well and, and there's a lot of guitar players that, that wouldn't um they wouldn't want to play something so rinky tink is is that is and um you know they don't want to play in that square way oh i can make it sound way better and i'm i'm like oh okay i'll make the money then <laughs> go ahead don't don't play it if you don't want to that's you right. know but but yeah it's gotta gotta have that vibe uh, I saw somebody commenting in the in the um, chat room, and I, I don't want to spend much time on this, but somebody named Eric E says, you know, I had 40 things forwarded by taxi and no deals resulted from it. So I feel like I was scammed and I see several people um, jumping on that comment. So uh, if you guys would be so kind, everybody that has had deals happen as a result of taxi, and obviously I didn't tell anybody who, you know, that they had to be in the room because I couldn't have anticipated this tonight. But why don't you just chime in with a plus one if you've ever had any deals result from Taxi Forwards. Um, because you know what, you could have been forwarded 40 times and there was other stuff that was more appropriate in the same batch of forwards. Or the library solved the problem uh, at the moment that they had run the listing. Shortly thereafter, they solved the problem and they didn't need to sign the stuff. Um, yeah, so there you mm -hmm. go, a, a long string of plus ones from people. Wow, 
Some of these people, I had no idea that people have gotten that many deals. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the secret to the whole thing is just keep putting it out there. It's like playing Johnny Appleseed. You got to keep putting those seeds out there because sooner or later they will turn into trees and they will bear fruit. But if you get frustrated because you had 40 forwards and nothing happened uh, and you stop, then nothing can happen. Yeah, well, and, and you know, to that point, I, I think I posted something on the, the taxi forum uh, maybe a month ago. I had a, a queue that was uh, used in a, a national ad, and uh, when I, I didn't know about it. And um, I, I should have known about it because I got a check, uh, a licensing check, uh, um, uh, maybe six months before the ASCAP statement. Um, nice, a nice uh, number uh, check, uh, but I didn't look to see what it was for. <laughs> and so I just got the check from the publisher and, you know, oh, cool. And I put it in the bank. And, and then the, the ASCAP came, statement came and I had 2,040, 2,040 placements of this. Uh, the ad was used on, on, I think, 40, almost 40 uh, networks. But to that point, um, that particular queue, a queue called Pizzicato Pizza, because I use pizzicato strings. Um, that queue had had not been used; for, it had been sitting in a library for ten years, and that was the first time it was used. And then it gets used on this this uh, ad. So you just you just keep keep yeah to to anybody that says, well, this I, I did all this and this didn't happen. Well, that's that's the game we're in. We just keep making music, and st good stuff happens to those who keep working and keep at it. Over time, good stuff happens, and and so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said it at the top of the show. If you're fretting over the number of forwards and the number of placements that resulted and all that stuff, um, you're just hurting yourself. I know it's hard to believe, but you know I'm not saying that as any sort of defensive taxi. I'm saying it in defense of you guys because we we thrive when you thrive. It's mutually beneficial, and so that's why we take the time to do the show every week. Why we put on the road rally, which. Um, you know, some years a lot of money comes out of my pocket because we don't get enough sponsors for the rally. We do all this stuff and hand it to our members on a silver platter because we're self-serving and that we want to see them. First of all, they're people like Dean that we just genuinely love and we want to see them be successful because it's great working with great people. But, you know, the more success Taxi has, the more um, success, the more success our members have, the more success the company has. So everybody yeah. wins. Yeah. Uh, let's have a listen to um, some stuff that some of the viewers sent in. Um, yeah. Uh, what are we starting out with? Um, I have a song called On the Edge. A song called On the Edge. Um, Sorry, a cue called On the Edge. A, a cue called On the Edge. Um, and, and Dean's going to comment about this stuff because people sent these in because they wanted to know, is there anything I could have done better? Is this one ready to go as it is? So um, let's not mention the names of the composers because sometimes people get a little embarrassed and we don't like to embarrass people. So Dean, let's have a listen and give us your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. 
I went to hit the applause button when I picked up the clapping device. It hit the boo button. Sorry, I wasn't booing that. I just want to go on record, not a boo. I was looking for that button. I pounded it. Oh, I'm going to burn in hell for that. <laughs> um, so any uh, observations or feedback on that one, Dino? Um, it was a... Uh, now, now, please keep in mind that I can't hear real, real well on here, so I'm not getting a sonic quality. But um, the uh, uh, there's a cool piece, cool piece of work. If it were my piece, um, if I was producing that, that then and then at the beginning that we had, um, I, I would have somehow kept that rhythm going through there. And whether that was um, instead of breaking it up quite so much, I would have da 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 da, da and just grown that as a theme because it, it um, I loved all those other pieces, but it felt to me like we started on this groove here and then I got stopped. Um, uh, so yeah, I would have somehow kept that rhythm going and, and just built upon that as the theme instead of, uh, instead of maybe stopping it uh, and changing. Although I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I heard, I'm sitting close to the speaker, so okay. I can obviously hear stuff that you can't in your cans a couple thousand yeah. miles away, but because <laughs> the sound degradates over miles. <laughs> uh, I mean, degrades, sorry. It well, it's, it's, it's uh, snowing here, too, so that, that affects everything. I'll yeah. tell you what, it's been getting so chilly here at night, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we've got snow-capped mountains surrounding L.A., wow. which pretty awesome. Um, yeah. It got down to, like, 36 degrees in my backyard last wow. night. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anyway, um, the de -de 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 synth um, sonically was not as wonderful as I'd like to have heard it uh, in, in the speakers. Um, I also kept asking myself, what's the emotion? Um, and, and I was a little troubled by the fact that I had to search so much to try and find an emotion that it could be identified with because you want to have your stuff be almost instantaneously identifiable as to the emotion so that the end user can hear it and go, yeah, I need tension for that. So, oh, that's clearly tension. Um, this one didn't go there. Although I, I will say that I felt like this person is 75% of the way there with this cue. They, they clearly have an understanding and they're yeah. on the path. They just haven't gotten to, um, uh, they're not quite there. Pretty yeah, darn close. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you're you're right on too. That that's that's what I felt. I mean, I, I kind of knew they were going for tension, but yeah, where in that tension thing, you know, and and yeah, build it. Yeah, it was on the tension spectrum, but it wasn't obvious where on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what do we have next, Bria? We have uh, this one's called tip. Tiptoe through the hood. Tiptoe through the hood? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, tiptoe through the hood. This is going to be great. <laughs>
All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I, I mean, from the get-go, I just thought it was a, uh, a great dramedy piece in in the hip-hop genre and could be used a lot of it now again i can't hear the sonic quality of it but yeah i thought i from from what i'm hearing here um i thought it could be used a lot of places i absolutely yeah. agree with you sonic quality was pretty darn good um if uh, it would be probably classified as urban dramedy because it's got yeah. a hip-hop beat to it there yep. was, was something that sounded like it might have been a string part that was way back um, like really far back in the mix with quite a bit of reverb that seemed a little distracting to me i don't think it helped the cue a lot so if it were my cue i'd probably just mix that out it almost mm. sounded momentarily like a fire engine or some sort of siren going uh. by that's why i popped out my uh my earbud <laughs> and it had to turn around and listen but i couldn't identify what it was but that was pretty darn good yeah yeah good all right uh bev niven wants to know what sonic quality is um uh and what atmosphere is um bev buy this book <laughs> i don't have time to explain it and buy that book what? The links are in the description. Oh, the links for the book are in the description below today's video. You know what else is in that video? The subscribe button. And do that. Just do it right now. Uh, I don't see the numbers going up. Come on, damn it. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's move on to a third one. What you got, Bria? This one's called Steps Ahead. This one's called Step Ahead. Bria, she has to figure out if I'm bobbing my head because I like the piece or I'm going, yeah, we've heard enough. We could turn it off now. <laughs> uh, what say you, Dino? Um, I, I liked it. I, I, uh, from what I can tell, that it's a, um, man, I was, some of those home remodeling shows, home building shows, um, 
uh, that type of stuff could be used for. Um, uh, the thing I'm curious about is the beginning guitar that what I'm not sure it was guitar, but in my cans it sounded like guitar. Um, felt a little stiff to me, like it, it felt like a, it, either it's a really, really accurate guitar player. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I would somehow try to unstiffen that up and make it sound either playing a real guitar or even what I do a lot of times, even as a guitar player, um, and maybe it was a harpsichord or some other sound that's not guitar. Um, but sometimes if I'm using a sample or using a virtual instrument that's a guitar, I'll actually take a real guitar and just do a slide now and then to make that feel a little bit more real, a little less stiff. Um, that that was the thing that jumped out a little bit to me at the beginning that I would want to uh, massage a little bit, but I like the piece. Uh, it's a. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a common trick by more experienced composers that if they're using a lot of MIDI-driven um, samples, virtual instruments, and uh, the piece is starting to feel a little obviously quantized and you want to make it not sound quantized the trick that everybody seems to do is just overdub a real instrument or two um yeah. because your your um uh your humanity will come through your your yeah. Yeah. Your, your, yep. you are not a robot and that will take the the ro the robotic aspect of the track and, and tamp it down a little bit and make it sound if somebody with our experience, meaning uh, Dean and I, if we have to listen and go, is that uh, computer generated or a human, then you've accomplished the goal. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I like that last piece. Um, I felt, uh, on, you know, as far as classifying it in a genre or uh, ascribing a mood to it, um, certainly uplifting. Uh, it reminded me of Personal Victory. Take a movie where, you know, there, it's a coming-of-age movie with like a 14-year-old that, you know, just couldn't get it right during football tryouts. And then finally uh, he pulls off something amazing and he gets uh, a, a slot on the team and he's running home. He's running off the field and, and running home to tell his parents. That would be the music you would hear playing under him as he runs. Yeah, yeah personal video. yeah, yeah no that's that's right i just just watched an old movie called i'd never seen it for some reason called the sandlot where these kids are playing baseball sandlot i, I think that's the name of it and uh yeah that would work at a couple places in that that flick yeah very very kids coming of age yeah perfect yeah yeah uh what's up next moonrise on the bayou moonrise on the bayou Ooh, i love it Ooh, okay Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Dino, what say you? Yeah, on? yeah, yeah. From what I was hearing, yeah, that's ready to go. I mean, I was hearing Bayou, rural, uh, Delta, uh, criminal uh, creeping around uh, stuff. Um, I love the slide. I love the simplicity of it. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're hearing there, but that's that's what I was feeling. Simplicity was... Uh, being the operative term, because for all the people who are not familiar with taxi, not familiar with the land of doing cues, um, and they think that they've got to do this really, you know, like uh, complex orchestral stuff that would compete with Hans Zimmer. No, you can earn a nice living doing really simple stuff like that with yeah, a couple yeah. of dobros. And look, you know, just to show you the incredibly high production value of this show, we have visual aids. There you go. That would be the scene that that music would be playing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually Sunrise on the Bayou, but... Yeah, and that, and that, that took us from the get-go. We that's where we were. It mm -hmm. took us right to, to any one of those type of scenes. Uh, very, very well done. Yeah. I, that would work great in an off commercial. Uh, it just made me feel like there were mosquitoes all over the place because we were, in fact, <laughs> on the bayou. <laughs> all and right. Off. <laughs> Deep What's woods the, off. There you go. The really strong stuff. <laughs> This one's called Quarantine. Quarantine. I love it. Quarantine. Good title. Quarantine today. those Quarantine the Mosquitoes, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's have a listen to Quarantine. Um, the, there's a couple things I loved about it. I, I love the riff. Um, I love the groove. 
Uh, and I love that. Uh, I think I know, you know, kind of the, the danger chase is thing they're going for. Um, from what I'm hearing, I, w I would probably want to massage. I, I, it's hard to tell what the strings are sounding like out there. Um, in my cans, they sound a little stark. I'd want to massage those a little bit. And then the, uh, the drum thing that came in, I would probably do something different in there. It, it seemed to take me away a, a little bit out of that out of that group. Those are those are the initial things I, I thought of for it. But I I love the composition. I love that riff. Um, that, that's uh, yeah, it's it's on its way in my that, opinion. I felt the same way. I felt like okay, this person gets it. They're on the path, but they haven't yeah. quite nailed it yet. Um, yeah, the the strings sounded like what we were talking about earlier. You know, just saying okay i'm going to use that string patch dun, 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 without actually you know doing anything to them how would a string player play this would they be bowing that way uh, you know would the bow be yeah. coming back this way you know how would they attack it because the attack clearly wasn't that of real string players um, or the articulations i should say um the mix felt less than cohesive and i know that's a very general and often overused term but it just sounded like, okay, I've got this, and then I've got that, and then I've also got that, but I'm not really weaving them together. <laughs> Here's the church, there's a steeple, open the door. <laughs> I haven't done that in about 50 years. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I guess it's it. Yeah, yeah, weave them together. Yeah, you try doing that, and you end up flipping somebody off and just get in trouble for trying to do some innocent little <laughs> kids thing, you know? Um, but again, it, it showed that this person's on the path. They understood. Uh, I will say that yeah. something not on a sonic or performance level so much, though, was there were parts of it that would make it hard to use because it sounded like it was scored to picture. Oh, huh. here, here's this thing happening, and now we're going on to a different scene. So it was kind of like two pieces of music in one cue, and you got to keep it the same from top to bottom, uh, cohesive. Love that word. John Brahaney <laughs> taught me that word. I'd never heard it before when I met John. Cohesive. <laughs> Cohesive. Uh, was that the last one? There's one more. We have one more. Let's have a listen. This one's called Something Cold. Something Cold. Ooh. Sounds like a trip to the morgue. <laughs> Thank you. 
I love a good comment in the chat room by uh, Robert F. L. says, I love the ostinato bass. There's a phrase that no editor on a reality <laughs> show will ever say while choosing music. <laughs> ostinato bass. Yeah. W wasn't that guy like on the swim team in, you know, uh, St. Mary's Academy or something? I don't know. <laughs> I think I learned that in college, but I, I can't. There's, I have a blank section of college in my mind, so I, I, I don't remember. Ostinato bass. Yeah. 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 Well, I, hey, I, I thought that was, I thought it started out so cool, <laughs> that that pulse, um, and it took me right to a mood, that don't, 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 don't thing. Um, so I thought that was really cool. It took me right to the place. Um, I would have kept that going and just weaved stuff around it. And I, if it were me, I'd take that hit out of there because that sounded more like something uh, uh, an effects person might put in a uh, um, into a film instead of you know uh, it, it's yeah it would break up the scene unless the the editor exactly wanted it at that place but I thought when it started out man they're really onto something pretty cool and, and spooky and scary and, and uh, tense in that way but I'd like to compliment all the people who submitted first of all it takes courage and guts to have your stuff played you know on a show with two million viewers um <laughs> oh yeah take off some zeros <laughs> anyway uh, it does i'm really grateful that you guys um submitted your music so that others can learn from from you learning um and also i want to mention i'm really surprised in a very good way about great titles on every one of these cues that yeah. we played and, and that really you know, you might not think that something as simple as, as creating a great title for your piece matters, but if you're a, a video editor working on a reality show and you've been given 5,000 cues broken up by different genres or moods from your, the music supervisor has given you those buckets of cues, uh, they actually call them bins, and, uh, and you're looking for something because let's say, uh, what was this one called, the last one? cold something something cold something cold so if you're working on a procedural um crime show and you've got a scene where they're going into the lab and they're sliding out a cadaver and they're taking a blood sample and looking at it under the microscope and you're going down your list of 300 possible tension cues for that scene and you see something cold your eye as the editor is going to go to that and go, I'll bet you that's going to work. And you hear it and go, okay, you know, so yeah. telegraphing what your cue is going to be about with your title without overdoing it is a very good method for getting more of your work used. Yeah. 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 Uh, we are exactly at five thirty. We've hit the nail on the head. Um, but before we go, um, you can learn more about Dean at DeanCrepane.com, and his last name is a bitch to spell. I, I've known the guy for like 15 or 20 years. I consider him a close friend, and I still have to look up his name. It's K-R-I-P-P-H-E-A, no, uh, A-K-R-I-P-P-E-A-H-N-E. -E. That was close. Um <laughs> Yeah, Bria's going to put a link in the description under the video um, for all you folks that are watching the show after the fact. And I said this at the top of the show. 
look, I don't make a penny. Dean didn't ask me to do this. I've read these books. I, I actually um, got a stack of the books and made everybody on our staff read them so that even the people who answer the phones and do you know general member services stuff, if they get hit with a question, they're gonna be uh, better equipped to answer the question if they've read this book, Demystifying the Genre, and this book called Demystifying the Q. They're both incredibly, um, they're written in the style in which Dean speaks. He and I are both fans of, you know, why try and fake it, be who you are on paper and musically. Be who you are. Hopefully, you're not a jerk, um, which Dean is clearly not. And, and the books are written in a, a style that makes you feel like you're hanging out with that dude, and, and he's just like your best buddy, telling you where it's really at. And so, get the books if you haven't already read them. And I'm convinced that a lot of taxi members have already read them. But for those of you who have not, um, it's an investment well worth making. And uh, Dean, I can't thank you enough. I, I you know. I know it, we make it look easy on the show, but this required like an hour of Dean's time to work with Bria, who I appreciate Bria, um, setting up the split screen. We finally got it working and I'm so thrilled because this opens up a new chapter for Taxi TV, being able to pull in some of uh, our, our favorite members from around the world uh, and having them help everybody else learn more. And Dean, such a great teacher, such a great speaker and uh, a great guy on top of it all. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I will see you sooner than later. Uh, um, didn't I tell you that I have some reason I want to come up there for something? Ah. Can't remember what it is now, but there there's a reason that I need to get up there. And when I do, you will be the second person to know. Because when I remember the reason, I'll, there's going to be one person <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. You're coming to Seattle. You're coming up here. Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, I'll invite myself over for a bowl of your chili. How's that? Oh, oh yeah, you, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Dean is famous for his chili. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you uh, to the folks in the chat room for watching and, and our viewers that aren't in the chat room. And see you guys next week. Do you remember what next week's show is? Cause... Martin oh, next week is Martin Tishy? I, I don't know. That's I think that's what you I... told me. I think you might be right. I think next week is Martin Tishy, um, who is a great orchestral composer. Um, and he also is the marketing guy for uh, Vienna String, uh, Vienna Symphonic Library. And he and Chuck Henry is actually going to be our keyboardist next week. They're going to demonstrate the, uh, I can never remember the name. Um, do you remember the name of the product? Uh, Vienna String Library, the Smart Orchestra. The Smart Orchestra from uh, Vienna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I was really good up until the last two minutes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't miss next week's show. Dino, thank you so much. Um, thank you. Stay, Thanks. Stay warm and dry up there, and we will see all of you folks. Where's, my, where's the band? There's the band. Let's see all of you folks next week. <laughs> for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! Bye, you guys. Thanks, Dean. <laughs>